Hi, and welcome to the Print Spaces regular podcast, Sellouts, which is about how you can make a self-sustaining career as an artist. There are many ways of achieving this, and every podcast is an interview with someone who's done it in a unique and different way. However, after listening to a few, you can start to connect the dots, as I have. Out of all the podcasts I've ever done on this subject, Leah Gardner really breaks the mould. She started learning to paint in March 2020 at the start of lockdown and she's made a career for herself and has an amazing social following both on Twitter and Instagram that's built up since then. She doesn't follow the generally accepted advice to put herself out there personally on social media. She just puts her work out there and her adorable dog, Pinky. The style of her work is really distinctive and her work really resonates with her followers. I don't think I've ever like consciously said this will be my style i feel like if you look at all my paintings like from two years ago to now it basically just it's like putting on glasses and things come into focus if that makes sense yeah you can tell the old stuff is me but like the brush strokes were like sloppy and like the mixing was bad and the colors were off but it like all those little mistakes and all those preferences that you have and that sort of like natural like essence that whatever you make has solidifies into something like more polished and finished that is uniquely you over time remember i talked about connecting the dots i've recorded 10 episodes of this podcast now and i've spoken with 10 very different artists however they do definitely have things in common firstly they've all achieved really unique levels of success that make them stand out secondly they spend over 50 percent of their time on marketing Three, most if not all of them have had some kind of formal training or experience in marketing, business or have worked in some kind of commercial setting. And four, they are all hugely determined to make a sustainable art career. Before we get on with the show, I would like to ask a favour from you. I choose the guests on this podcast really carefully and I spend days researching their work before we talk. I hope you find it useful. In return, Please, please, please subscribe to this podcast and share it with just one person who you think might benefit from it. On with the show. Welcome, Leah Gardner, and lovely to have you here on the Prince Faces podcast, Sell Out. And you've been selling for us for a while using our dropshipping service, selling through your own store and your own social media, which has been incredible the way that's taken off and we're big admirers of your work, but also admirers of the way you've put yourself out there and the way you've marketed yourself and the success you've had. But as I understand it from looking at your looking at your site and, th- and things like that, you actually started painting only fairly recently. Is that right? Yeah. So I basically started painting at the beginning of COVID. I actually, my sister called me out for this. She was helping me at an art festival a few weeks ago. And someone was like, when did you start painting? I was like, at the beginning of COVID. And she was like, actually, you did some paintings in the summer in high school. So technically, no, you didn't. I was like, okay, thank you so much. I had done, I goofed off with like acrylics in high school in the summer a few times. But beyond that, all I really did was draw. So basically, like, after I graduated college, and then like, between maybe 2018 to 2020 around Christmas, I would do like custom portraits in pencil, but that was it. Then at the beginning of COVID, I got laid off and I didn't really know what to do with myself. So that's when I started painting. Yeah, I don't know what I was thinking because I was like, yeah, I think I'm just gonna be a painter now with no painting experience. And I wasn't good at it. I had no idea what I was doing. And that's when I picked up oils. So that's how it got started. 
And how long did it take you to actually start to get the feeling that, oh, I might actually be quite good at this? I still don't totally know if I have that feeling. I feel like the better you get, the worse you, you continue to like be just as critical of yourself. But I would say, so that was when I first started was in March, obviously. But then I had a little local show, I want to say in either October or November. So I've been painting for, I don't know, like six months or so. And it was at this studio that does like art classes and stuff. And she, the owner of the studio actually reached out and offered this. And I was like, okay, I guess so. And again, I was still very new. I wasn't very good, but I guess having that event and having people actually buy stuff made me think, oh, like maybe this could actually work if I like get really good at this. So yeah, I think from then on it was, that was like the real beginning of making it a career. The style that you paint in, it really resonates with people. And for example, the way you paint liquids, is, I found it astonishing, particularly as somebody with zero artistic talent myself, <laughs> but it's just like the way you get those internal facets and the light within liquids, was that something you'd done before? Or did you just learn that since 2020? No, that was, so I think, I maybe did like my first paintings that had liquid in them in maybe spring of 2021, maybe, maybe after. I say it's relatively new, but like painting in general to me is like new still, it feels, but in the grand scheme of life and whatever. But yeah, so the translucent liquid stuff is relatively new and I think people think that there's like some sort of trick to it or I paint it differently from everything else. But my approach to painting it is really the same as painting anything else. I just paint what I see. There's an expression in painting, like paint what you think you see. So you just literally look at everything that you see in front of you and you just paint. So there's really no secret to it. I don't know how else to explain it. There's no secret. It's just you look at the glass of whatever you're painting or your reference photo and yeah, you just try to copy it. Amazing, amazing. But did you have, how did you end up finding your style? Because your style, like, I, I often think that, like, the definition of someone having a, the really a style that they own is that you could show somebody a painting by them or a photograph by them and you'd, okay, I know it's Leah Gardner or whoever. And I think that's very much true with your painting. If someone showed me one of those paintings, I would go, yeah, that's Leah Gardner, isn't it? And so how did you find that style? Did that develop over this last two years or were you influenced by anybody? I would say it's a combo of like influence and also just like the little things that you personally do over and over again, like your handwriting. Like when you first start learning how to write letters, they look really bad all the time. And then you get better at them, but it's still your individual way of writing each letter. I always try to paint realistically. Like I'm not really going for any style per se, but I think it's the colors I like are colors I choose again and again. So maybe that's one aspect of it. My natural, the way I hold the brush, that probably affects what my brush strokes look like. And then, yeah, of course, like different influences, like of artists I really like, probably have influenced us. Like, I think it's just a combination of your muscles, your colors, what your brush strokes look like, and then maybe like subconsciously artists and like play into it. But I think it really comes down to repetition 
and just getting into the habit of doing things a certain way while also trying to make it look as good as possible, if that makes sense. Did you set out in, in 2020, did you set out in the back of your mind that you could actually make a full-time career out of this? Or was it just a case of we're in lockdown, what am I going to do? And I've been laid off and etc. I think it was a com like a combination of both things. I was definitely didn't know what to do with myself, needed something to do. But I definitely think there was like a sort of element of complete delusion of me thinking, oh yeah, I could definitely do this professionally with absolutely nothing to base it off of. I don't know if I was just losing my mind and it might've been like, I had lost my job and that, that hit me hard. And then obviously there's a pandemic. So maybe I just wasn't quite there because when I think about it rationally and look at, back at my old stuff, like it wasn't good. I was a beginner. I had no business thinking that this should be my job ever. Cause at that point, like I definitely was not good enough. And practice makes an insane amount of difference, obviously. But at that point, I didn't really know that. Like, I shouldn't have been thinking that I could do this professionally. And did you have any marketing experience previous to this? Or did that, again, just happen naturally? So I worked in digital content and marketing before this. So making the website, all that stuff. That was pretty straightforward and easy, no big deal for me. And I think social media is definitely an extension of that. But what it really came down to for me, and I know things are weird right now with like algorithm changes on Instagram and all that. A lot of artists are really upset and you've probably seen that. For me, in the time that I started, it really just came down to consistently sharing content. It's what everyone recommends and it's so true. But then, yeah, consistency and just quality content to post. And you did a, you, I think I read that you do a painting a day and you post a painting a day. Is that correct? So that was my approach when I first started. And I did that for maybe the first year and a half or so. But in the past, maybe six-ish months, I've definitely dialed back. I don't force myself to paint every day. Got out of control. I also hurt my left wrist, which is a super major inconvenience when you're left-handed and a painter. So I've slowed down because of that. And I picked up a part-time job because I can't say no to my old boss. Like she's really nice and like, I like helping her out, but that also affects the amount of hours in the day. So that's like still going on. So it just like a number of things kind of took me away from painting every single day. And I'm fine with that. Like, I think it was really good for getting a lot better in a short span of time, but I don't necessarily think it's like a necessity to paint every single day. So mm -hmm. I've been moving away from that, but I would say that doing that for the first year and a half or so made a huge difference for growth on social media for sure that's what we say isn't it with the algorithm that if you don't post for a while when you start posting they don't start seeing your stuff yeah i think that's one of the things that is like something you have to look out for there's so many things weird little things and that's the other thing is that like now that instagram has been so weird and finicky and like sometimes it'll show a bunch of people your stuff sometimes no one will see it that's also made me less motivated to prank out painting after painting because there just doesn't really seem to be that much of a point in really like killing myself to do that so um, have you noticed a change in it then over the last oh year? for sure yeah my growth on instagram has pretty much stalled over six months i've grown a little bit but really slowly and granted i haven't been posting as consistently i haven't really been into reels and i just haven't been prioritizing it as much but still it seems like the drop off in growth has not quite been proportional to the drop off in effort so yeah, who knows but yeah it's hard to know isn't it so when you were 
doing the painting a day and then posting at the same time that must have been really hard work it must have been like a full day's work every day right yeah oh and i definitely burnt out on it that's why i stopped doing a painting every day because i'm not one of those people who can just do like a 30 minute sketch and be like sweet like all done like i have to go all in and do something that's a, more of a commitment yeah it was definitely it was too much at times yeah i can imagine and you're saying that you haven't done so much of the kind of real stuff and i've seen some of your reels i think it was one of the pigeon ones got like 120k views so is it actually is it more time consuming to do reels because i was looking when on that pigeon one for example it's, it's a whole like time lapse isn't it of or speed it up i think or like parts of the painting cut together so you have to film it and paint it in such a way that you're, you're filming it from above. Does that sort of interrupt the creative process and does it make it harder? Yes. And that's a big part of why I don't really do many reels. I think the one you're talking about, I did it for a collaboration with Michaels and it was like a paid collaboration. So that was like for sure worth the time taken to make a reel, but it takes hours to edit a reel. And that's like not including the time it took to actually do the painting that you're making the reel of. So it's just another layer of work and it does it stinks for artists like i know a lot of instagram creators are like when i think of instagram creator i think of like fashion influencer because that's what i see on my feed and like their job is taking pictures and videos but like when you're an artist your job is actually like making the art obviously you don't have to do it but if you want to grow on instagram you have to do it so it's just like a tricky spot to be in and obviously you have to think that social media companies don't really care about a small subset of the people who create content for this, their site. Like they are worried about their bottom line, which whatever that's goes without saying, but it is disappointing. Like when your platform is this website that used to be great. And then now it just isn't. Yeah. Do you still find though that you sell work through Instagram? It's still like a really useful platform for doing that. It's just like slightly less useful. It's it's just slightly dropped off a little bit or something. Yeah. So for me, I've actually been using Twitter for not quite as long as Instagram, but I started pretty early on using Twitter. And I think I probably sell more through Twitter. I'd have to look. So for originals, I pretty much always will post an original as soon as it's finished on Twitter. Like I don't have a time of day I post. So usually Twitter will see any given painting before Instagram does. And I think for that reason, originals probably sell better through Twitter just because there's one in stock and whoever sees it first is going to get it first. So in that sense, like it hasn't been that big of a deal for me for selling originals, but it, I would say it probably affects my print sales. But again, I have Twitter and Twitter continues to grow. Yeah, I noticed you had Twitter and it's actually quite unusual. We don't see too many artists being so active on Twitter. And secondly, actually with that level of engagement on Twitter is, uh, that you've got is insane. Do you find that posting at different times of the day on Twitter sort of affects that? Or is it just random, the engagement you have on there? Or is it, or is there a specific pattern where you know, oh, okay, this is going to really get great engagement, this thing I'm about to post? So it's hard to say because I don't really pay as close attention to Twitter analytics. I don't even know if you can check Twitter analytics. I mean, you can, but it's not like as ex extensive as Instagram. So I don't really pay much attention to Twitter. Like I just 
week when I finish a painting. I don't really care what day it is, what time it is. I think I would probably say that if I post after 5 p.m. and before 9 p.m. in the evening, it's probably going to have a better outcome. And then like weekends. But I haven't really noticed a huge correlation between when I post and how it does. And then I'll have a certain painting where I'm like, oh, this is going to do well. Like, I know Twitter's going to like this. But that's true of Instagram too. Like, at this point, I have a good idea of what performs well and what doesn't. Landscapes, like, not even worth my time. I do them sometimes because I like them. But if I'm after a social media engagement, it's not going to happen from a landscape for me. But like, pigeons, yeah, I know pigeons are going to do well. And then like a colorful still life almost always performs pretty well. But yeah, so at this point, I know when I'm painting something like it's going to be very socially, social media, like appealing. Yes. Yeah. It's just really interesting to see that level of engagement on Twitter. And I think uh, like artists are looking to different platforms now and they're looking around and saying, what else can I engage with? Do you make different content for Instagram and Twitter or is it always the same? Yeah, no, I, it's always the same. Sometimes I'll do like a different caption and then I'll do a lot more reposts on Twitter than I would on Instagram. I just feel weird about doing reposts on Instagram, maybe because you can see the feed with everything on it. Whereas with Twitter, things get buried, they get lost. So I don't feel as annoying when I do that. But yeah, other than sometimes changing the caption, I just post all the same stuff besides video content I don't really put anything video on Twitter which I probably could I don't know why I don't but yeah yeah and then like sometimes I'll do like little sets of four paintings together on Twitter because it looks good that way but yeah I my strategy between the two of them really isn't that different in terms of the content I post and like how I caption it I would just say I'm definitely less regimented and rigid with Twitter I just Painting's done. It's going on Twitter. I'm not really going to think about it. May not even look at it for 24 hours. I forget when I tweet. I don't know why it has such a different attitude between the two apps. So when it comes to Instagram, you're you're actually monitoring how it does, but with Twitter, you're just okay. I'll tweet yeah. and just yeah, off I go, kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. And I do still try to like reply to people on Twitter and engage with people on both apps, but I think like. When you look up like how to succeed on social media on YouTube, everything is focused on Instagram and these rules about how to do Instagram get hammered into your head. So for me, like I post on Instagram, I know I'm going to go back. I'm going to read the comments. I'm going to throw them a like. And then six hours later, I'll go back and respond to the comment A, because I'm not just going to ignore someone who left me a nice comment, but B, because after a certain amount of time, if you go back and engage again, it supposedly gets the post back into the feed. And they're just all these little like tricks that who knows if they work but they're just so drilled into my head at this point that it's just how I do it so it sounds like it's quite an engaged job isn't it to, to mm -hmm. get that kind of following up when you post on Instagram like often we hear a lot about from artists about how they find that autobiographical contest really well and sharing a lot of sort of personal stuff and yet I think it's really interesting when I look at your feed because it's it is see it's really mostly about the work and you let the work speak for itself, and then it's about Pinky as well. <laughs> so you've got the work, and for anyone who doesn't know Leah's feed, but you've got a lovely dog called Pinky. What breed is she? She is just a mix of all sorts of stuff. We adopted her, and I guess she was in a hoarding situation. So she's like extremely inbred and a bunch of different things. Like she literally looks like her own type of dog. I, she's, <laughs> I think her most 
predominant breed is Jack Russell, but yeah, she's just really weird. She's like an alien, the way she acts sometimes, like very humanoid and strange. And people really like that on social media. Like she definitely has, she's very expressive and has a personality. So pinky content is always very well received. Yeah, I've seen that. I've seen that people really engage with it. Is it like a deliberate strategy to not talk too much about yourself? It's really let the work speak for itself. Because I think there's a lot of artists out there who see that advice of, oh, you've got to, you've got to put yourself out there. You've got to put, be open up yourself and be autobiographical. But for some people, that's just not what they want to do. Yeah, I definitely don't want to do that. And it's not like an active strategy or anything. I just haven't because a, I feel like if you put yourself out on, out there on the internet, someone's going to find you annoying. And even if they like your artwork, they're probably going to unfollow you because they think you're annoying. And then someone is going to like personally attack you no matter what you do. And that's fine. And I know these are like miserable people, but I don't really care to open myself up to that I don't need to have like my personal life questioned or picked apart and then also I guess I don't really feel like anything in my personal life is relevant to people who follow me for paintings like why would they care and I don't mean this in a mean way or anything but like when other paintings post personal life stuff like 80% of the time I'm just like okay, that's cool, but I don't really care. Like I'm not following artists for their personal life. I don't really follow many influencers for their personal life. It just doesn't really interest me that much. So maybe that's why it's not a conscious decision. It just, I don't know. I don't want my life to be anyone's business really. That's totally valid. I actually think that a, a lot of people listening to this will be, that'll be really great for them to hear because sometimes people who do open themselves up a lot on social media do very well but then again it's clearly not required to to build a huge following you've literally over the course of two years you're you're well over a hundred thousand followers on instagram and you haven't done that so i think it's really encouraging for to for other people to see that okay i don't if i if that's not what i want to do i don't need to do that Uh uh-huh no i don't think you need to do that i some like a lot of my favorite artists on Instagram, I know literally nothing about them as individuals, but I get really excited when I see their stuff. And there are certain artists on Instagram where like, I'm, I don't know, like over inundated with content about their personal life. That isn't a bad thing. But again, like I said, I just don't really like care to see people's personal lives online. If I want like a lifestyle content, I'll follow a lifestyle influencer. So yeah, I, I really don't think it's necessary. If you're enjoying this talk, I just want to take a quick break and ask you to ensure that you get the notification that we have another one coming out. So please go to the show notes right now, click the link to subscribe to our newsletter where you'll also get data-driven insights and articles about marketing and how you can emulate the success of Leah and the other people I've interviewed. What about TikTok? Have you thought about TikTok much and or is that just another thing that is going to eat up time? Yeah, it would eat up more time. And honestly, I don't want to ruin TikTok for myself. I have a lot of fun on TikTok looking at things that are in no way related to art, like funny stuff. And I just have no interest in turning that into work. TikTok is like my happy art-free place. So I don't anticipate 
getting on that unless something like really bad happens to Instagram and I don't have a choice, but I'd really rather not. Yeah. So especially as the algorithm just serves you back what you look at. So if you start, yeah, absolutely. In terms of your sales, you've got your website and you've got Twitter and you've got Instagram and you've got a newsletter. So you get newsletter sign up on your site. Do you use the newsletter much to sell prints as well? I have yet to send out a single newsletter. I have had it on my to-do list for such a long time. And like, I know I've been like collecting emails, but I get so annoyed at emails in my inbox, not from small artists. I actually get really excited when artists I follow send out a newsletter. I'm like, oh my gosh, yay, what's this? But I've signed up for so many email newsletters that I'm just like, how did this even get into my inbox? I think it's made me afraid to send my newsletter out into people's inboxes because I don't want to annoy them. And I know I need to get around to it, but I, yeah, I can't speak to that because I've not sent out a single email from my newsletter. So the newsletter list is growing. It's growing. Yeah. Someday there will be an email that goes out to a good amount of people, but I haven't built up the expectation. The expectation is growing. (laughs) Yeah, I know. It's getting like scarier and scarier. You sell originals and prints. How do the two work together? Do you sell prints of the originals? And how do you price the original compared to the print? So I sell both. Yeah, I sell originals. I sell prints. Normally, I'll wait until the original has sold until I sell prints, but not as a not always just as a general rule. And both my prints and my originals are priced based on their size. So I think what I did when I was like, figuring this out was like, my standard, I guess, most common painting size is a six by six inch. And that's usually around like $300. So most of my paintings are priced in like multiples of a six by six inch painting. Like how many six by sixes could I fit on this surface? And I don't really do that many larger paintings. So it is how I always do it because I don't have to do it very often. So those are based on size. If something has like less content on it, then it'll be cheaper. If it's like really intricate, it'll be a little more, but it's usually in that realm and then yeah for prints same thing they're based on size and actually a lot of my eight by eight prints are just slightly enlarged six by six paintings so so like the paintings they go bigger as prints right how do you digitize them do you have a scanner or something i just have a really nice camera that i use okay and so if you sold the original for 300 bigger print edition would you do at eight by eight and how much would they roughly be would they be less like and, and a big, would you have an addition of 10 or 20? Oh, I don't really do additions. I know if I were to do an art fair, sometimes they make you do limited edition runs for that specific event. So if that was the case, I would do that. But, and I occasionally will do like a limited edition print of maybe like a collection of minis or like something like that. But my approach is more like I have a revolving door. So I'll have like my favorite bestsellers that like always do. And those will just stay up like until I guess they don't sell anymore or I just am really sick of seeing them. But then for the rest of my prints, like I said, it's kind of like a revolving door. So every couple months I'll go through and just swap some of them out based on A, if I personally like the painting and I am okay with continuing to see it or if I just like over it, don't want to see it anymore. It's not really selling that well. So yeah. I just swap things in and out and keep it fresh. Okay. And how much would 
they be priced at? Are they priced a lot lower than the original? Yeah. Right? So a print, an eight by eight inch print is fifty dollars. Okay. All right. Yeah. So definitely lower than the original, and also a little bigger. Yeah. So what kind of questions do you get asked when you when someone buys some work from you? What do they want to know? Or do you not mm. get asked anything? They just buy it. Yeah, most people just buy it. Like, because I'll post like multiple pictures of an original, usually if it's different in different lighting or whatever. I get asked about like, if I ship internationally a lot. But every time I get asked a question, I make an up, not every single time, but most of the time, if I get asked a question, I'm like, oh, that's a reasonable question. I'll just add it to my website. I'll either add it to like the description of the product or I'll add it to like banner at the top of my website page. So it's the mm. first thing you. So yeah, I used to get asked a lot about like, if I shipped internationally. So I wrote in my website banner that I ship internationally. And now like, I don't really get asked that very often anymore. I would say since I linked my store to my Instagram page, I get asked a lot less about pricing because it's right there if I link the product in on Instagram. Yeah. One commonly asked question is, I see your print is shipping from England. I am in the US. Are you a scammer? And I'm like, it literally <laughs> says in the description that my prints ship from England and Germany because that is where my studios are located. No, it's not a scam. But the people are like really they are nervous buying online, aren't they? Yeah, which I can't blame people, especially it's not like I have a better business bureau rating like I'm one person. So definitely shopping from like a small business like that can be a leap of faith. So I totally understand like any concerns. Yeah, uh, but then again, if they've been engaging with your Instagram for a while, then they would not. Yeah, not a bot. <laughs> yeah, that must be a really elaborate scam. You know? Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> I'm like, I'm assuming you found me from Instagram, in which case you should probably know that I am not a scam. Yeah, exactly. But no, most of my questions are very reasonable and like very polite and completely logical. Do you have a point of when you launch a new print and you post about it on your Instagram? Or at what points do you tell people, okay, you can come and buy this original, you can buy this print? Do you keep repeating that in stories and stuff like that? Or do people just go through the link in bio and they just assume that you're selling? So normally, like when I make a print, it comes out a few days after the original was made available. And a lot of times by then the original is sold. And so like whenever like I had posted the picture originally on like Instagram and I get multiple comments that are like, can we have a print of this? That's like when I know, okay, I should make a print of this. Sometimes I'll just personally like the painting and be like, yeah, I'm making a print of this because I like it. But for the most part, it's like by request. So what I'll do is I'll two or three days later, I'll have the print all ready to go. Once I got around to it, I'll go and make a story about it on Instagram, linking to it. I'll reply to all the comments saying the print is now available. I'll go on Twitter, reply to all those comments asking if prints will be available with a link and then I'll tweet it out again saying okay prints are available so yeah that's pretty much like what I do on the first day but then like for a new print and then every now and then I'll do a story where it's hey like these prints are available these are my some of my favorites or whatever and just share a few prints that I have and then every now and then like if I do a repost on Twitter I'll repost the images and be like, hey, some of these are available as twin prints, like in a comment below and then link to the prints. So like I will remarket them a little bit, mainly by doing reposts. Do you see that like when you make the post about, okay, I've got this print for sale, that's when you make your sales, right? You make yeah. it in 24 hours or something of that post. Yes, I will make like a handful 
in that first like 24 hours of the post is live and then I'm not really sure like on days where I didn't post anything on any social media and I still get print sales I'm like how like mm. how did you like what made you think to go onto my website and buy a print or like maybe they had it saved or something and then they got like a an email because I do like an abandoned cart email with a discount but that that doesn't happen that often so yeah I don't know how people find my shop on days where I didn't post anything I'm always curious about that but yeah for the most part like when I first launched a print most of the sales come in the first like one or two days when like the tweet is still like making the rounds but then for like my overall best-selling prints those just sell fairly consistently without me posting anything. But they're also a lot of times like things that have gone like semi-viral on Twitter in the past or something like that. So they still do circulate to an extent. And then I guess I haven't really mentioned this. And part of it is because I can't really see the analytics on how many sales it leads to, but I've been using Pinterest and I think some people come from there. Again, I don't know how many, but I think because of the nature of Pinterest where like things are like always circulating and sort of like hot for 24 hours and then gone. I have a hunch that it may contribute to some sales. I just don't know how many. Yeah, I noticed you did Pinterest. Do you, does that take a lot of time or is it just taking the content that you would, that you've created for Instagram and putting it on Pinterest? Yeah, so what I do with Pinterest is every four or five weeks, I'll just sit down for like 45 minutes and upload my like, whatever has accumulated in that span of time but then also it's linked to my shop so if i post a print it'll automatically connect to pinterest but those pins are like shopping pins so i don't know if they're like repinned or shared in the same way but i do know they're on pinterest um mm. and again like i don't really look that much into pinterest i don't really understand how it works but I, yeah, I know it's doing something because like I'll go on my homepage and I have 2 million views a month. So like that has to be resulting in some sales. I just don't have good analytics on it. If I don't know where to find them, I'm clueless. And you would think that Pinterest must be contributing because I know a lot of people yeah. use it for interior design, sort of mood boards and stuff like that. Like it, it has to be doing something. I really wish I knew on Shopify, like I can see exactly if I, if I go in and look at it, I can see exactly like how many sales came directly from an Instagram link or from a Twitter link, I guess, if they didn't open it in a new tab or something. But I just, I don't know how to figure that out with Pinterest. What about press and PR? Do you get like people writing about your work much? So occasionally, okay, I actually, I was a journalism student. That's what I studied in school. So I like if a student asks me to answer some interview questions so they can write something for a project, I'm always like, absolutely yes, just ask me your questions. So I'll do that kind of thing. Like for students, I like occasionally like a small magazine will email me some interview questions. A lot of times I don't really get any follow up on it. So I don't really know what became of it. But I don't really actively seek out press opportunities. I just don't really turn them down if they come up okay and how about exhibitions and art fairs and things like that do you ever do offline stuff yeah this summer slash fall i've done one art fair and then i have one next weekend and then i have three or four more lined up for the fall and winter and that's something i'm just starting to get into i did one last summer and that was my first one ever and it went quite well and then i have a small pop-up event so 
I'm still new to that. Like I just bought my first tent and stuff, but I'm definitely getting into that. Like, I think it's really cool. And like, it's fun to meet other artists in real life because it's a very like lonely job. Like I don't have any coworkers and my studio is at home. So I work from home. So yeah, so I'm doing art fairs. As far as exhibitions go, I don't work with any galleries or anything like that. It's not even something I really think about because like, when I do a painting, like normally it sells. If it doesn't, I'll eventually put it on sale, but like everything sells eventually. So I don't really want to have to pay someone a commission for things that are already going to sell on my website, if that makes sense. Yeah. Do you get approached? Through, yeah. Through Instagram and things like and that. And email and yeah. 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 It makes total sense if you already, that's what we're, we are always saying to people that, you know, it, it, okay. Like maybe if a gallery has a huge platform and you need help getting going, yeah then maybe it's worth thinking about but if you're already selling or you have the potential to sell why would you and really all that gallery is going to do is post your stuff on social media then exactly you, then you can yeah. do that <laughs> and it's also i don't paint very many big paintings like the biggest painting i've ever done and actually just sold was 16 by 20 inches i think that's what it was and, it, and to me it seemed really big but like my stuff is small so for that reason, it's on the more affordable side for original artwork, I would say. So it's not like one of those things where like, I need like a brick and mortar gallery for like people with money who are trying to buy a bigger, more expensive painting to find my stuff just isn't really necessary for the scale of my stuff. But yeah, it's not something I would like completely rule out, especially if I start painting bigger and find that it's harder to sell larger work. But right now it just, I would just be like giving away money. Yeah, exactly. There's, there are obviously some great galleries out there but yeah in, i mean there's also i hear experiences of people going on to say for example those big platforms where they'll have hundreds of artists and they're not really selling that much because they're mixed in with loads of other artists and mm -hmm. and then they get asked to send over some content so they so the gallery can post it on social media and then just, why don't you just post that content yourself because you're you're having to make it and then they're just posting it. Yeah, I'm paying you a commission to do this stuff for me. That's the idea anyways. Totally. I still think if you talk about, re as you say, like things which require really big space to appreciate, mm -hmm. huge installations, and also stuff where it's, I guess, there's a very select collector base, you know, where you're talking about like right. pieces like of $10,000, $50,000 where it's really about a network of a thousand people in London that collect, that pay yeah. that much for art. So they're not going to buy it on Instagram. No, oh, yeah. Like they don't have time to go on Instagram and yeah. look for like a 26 year old artist who doesn't really know what she's doing. But yeah, so that's not really my. Yeah. yeah what is, exactly. It's knowing your, it's knowing your market, isn't it? Knowing yeah. who you appeal to. Where does your work get sold? Does it get sold like internationally or? Yeah, all over. Okay. That's interesting. Yeah. And I suppose it mirrors your social following, right? Yeah. Yeah. Most of my social media following is everywhere. I always am like, must like mostly be, or like, I must have like a good chunk in Chicago because that's where I live. I really don't like, it's just all over the place. As far as like places that I sell originals, I feel like a lot of them go to London. A lot of them go to Paris out of just the U S a lot go to Hong Kong. Yeah. And then in the U S it's all, it's 
a lot of San Francisco, New York City. I see Alexandria, Virginia a lot, which is like right outside of DC. So it is like where you'd expect like cities and metropolitan areas. But the pigeons go to the cities a lot, right? <laughs> probably, yeah. If I, I bet if I looked at like where those pigeons are going, yeah, it's probably all like New York and Paris because yeah, yeah. that's where all the pigeons are. <laughs> Yeah, totally. Question that I always ask at the end is if you could give two or three pieces of advice to anyone starting out their career right now who wants to do what you've done, basically, which is make a self-sustaining art career, giving yourself that freedom to create every day, what would you say to them? How should they start and go about this? Okay, the first thing I would say, and this is probably mostly applicable to people who like don't have very much experience in whatever art format they're choosing are probably like considered beginners. I would say in terms of enjoyment and satisfaction, it definitely gets a lot worse before it gets better. For me, I went a straight like year hating almost everything I painted and being like, wow, I'm horrible at this. What am I doing? And I think that's what's called like the skill gap. So maybe Google the skill gap and like really convince yourself that it is very real. And it's normal to not anything you're doing at first because you've got taste, but no skill. And yeah, I think everyone starts there no matter how innately talented you are. So don't give up because like you feel like you aren't as good as you should be already. The second thing, I guess I would say, I don't know if this is really advice, but you are going to spend a lot less time painting or whatever art form you're choosing than you think you will be because there is so much admin work like you're going to be on your computer all the time you're going to be like packing orders going to the post office answering emails social media should have said that first because that's like the biggest one marketing is it's such a time commitment so be prepared for that and then luckily if you use print fulfillment service and <laughs> but you're talking about the originals right as well yeah just yeah, yeah. and like even with outsourcing all my prints even like with you guys doing that like there's still so much to do like i physically would not be able to print myself i don't know how anyone does that let's see i gotta think about this for a second okay and then i think the last piece of advice and i'm gonna base this off of what i get asked a lot is like how do you find your style and i think at this point i probably have a recognizable style but Sure. And this kind of goes hand in hand with you're going to be really bad at it before you're good and happy with what you make. It takes a long time. And if you keep thinking about it, like in terms of a way longer version than like learning penmanship or whatever, like I said before, I think that will be helpful. Like you have to develop like the technical ability and do the same thing over and over before you have a style and develop that muscle memory that creates a style. So it comes with time and you and have to be prepared for that just following up on that last point because it sounds like to me that from what you're saying earlier that the development of that style it's not a conscious thing it's almost like you see it in retrospect is that yes. right oh absolutely yeah i don't think i've ever like consciously said this will be my style i feel like if you look at all my paintings like from two years ago to now it basically just it's like putting on glasses and things come into focus, if that makes sense. Yeah. You can tell the old stuff is me, but like the brush strokes were like sloppy and like the mixing was bad and the colors were off. 
but it like all those little mistakes and all those preferences that you have and that sort of like natural like essence that whatever you make has solidifies into something like more polished and finished that is uniquely you over time and mm. I think that's because you're putting yourself into it over and over and that's like what ends up making it unique yeah that makes a lot of sense well Leah and uh, Pinky thank you very much for <laughs> it wasn't your... too bad yeah yeah it could have been worse like she could have <laughs> been a lot worse yeah we can barely hear her but yeah no thank you very much for your you. um, for your time today it's really appreciated that you would come on and give some advice and help other people to emulate the amazing success that you've had over the last few years so thank you very much thank you and thank you because i wanted to say like the prints since i started getting prints from you guys i seriously get so many compliments on like the colors and like how the texture looks so realistic and i was just talking to my mom like maybe yesterday the day before i literally don't know i don't think i could do prints if i didn't do it with you guys so thank you Oh, amazing that's great to hear i hope you agree that this was a great episode with lots of insights i do this work purely out of interest and passion for helping you to achieve the very best you can with your creative talent so please subscribe and remember to share with just one person who you think might benefit